Kim Duke, and I'm married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. My name is Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Just a quick update. Uh, Barley is in here because he has separation anxiety, and you can't see him right now, but he looks like a, like a hairy dead pig. Yeah. Just laying on the ground. It's just when I'm not in the same room as him. Like, he's fine when no one's here. It's not like he has that bad of anxiety where he tears up walls right. and stuff. It's just lately. Well, and it's, it's only when it's you and I in the office. Yeah. For some reason, he gets real worked up. Like, yeah. he feels like he can't get to us. I'm, I don't know. He was being weird yesterday. He was in the car for four hours because we had an inspector oh, here. Yeah. What was going on? He couldn't jump on the bed? He couldn't jump on the bed. I don't know. Something was bothering his back legs. Then he finally got on the bed and he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he like spread out to move and he cried. He did that like yelpy cry. Oh, he did? Yeah. And then he was weird. Like I went to bed. He's always right next to me. I couldn't find him. He's down on the couch down here. So he's just being weird. But he's been better today. Oh, okay. Good. I just think... He was in the car for four hours when they move around in the car. And he, he, I mean, poor guy, he was standing up and you could hear him (laughs) hit the back of the car. (laughs) He does. It's really funny. Like Ashi kind of flops around, but she at least like clenches her muscles and can kind of brace herself. But he just. (laughs) I tried driving good. I mean, I was driving fine. But anyway, we had an inspecting, inspecting, inspector came and did an inspection. An expector? (laughs) One more time. Inspector Gadget came. <laughs> we, there's only two minor things we have to fix, which thank goodness for that. <laughs> and now I just have to figure out packing, but my anxiety level is way, 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 way better than it was. Um, I'm feeling a lot better. I don't feel like I need to drink anymore. Okay. That has passed. And now I just got to pack and move forward. You know, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, there's stuff with work has not been super great. Um, but like in all of those like angry moments that I've been having, I haven't had, I I can't get myself to want to go and buy any alcohol. Yeah. I still, I mean, I had like a man, it'd be nice if I could just drink and not be so anxious about this. But then I'm like, no, I would, what would happen is I would drink and I'd still be more anxious if I drank because then I wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. And then I, I don't have any intentions to ever go to a liquor store. So I, I there is another update from my uh, one another one of my brothers from from Hazelden relapsed and it, uh, text me and said he's going he's going back in. He he just I, I don't know I don't know what happened I didn't get a, to, a chance to talk to him a bunch but so I'm it. I'm the only one. That's great, though. I, it's, I mean, I'm it glad sucks for that, everybody else. That's, that's what yeah, I mean. that's the thing is like, it's depressing to 5%, 5% of people who go into treatment come, don't relapse afterwards. That's such an insanely low number. Yeah. I was watching the debates last night. Well, the best I could. It was so hard. I can't handle two adults screaming at each other. But um, oh, sorry. We have a guest here. Yeah. Um, you may know her best for writing unbelievably good deadpan jokes on our show, dude. Absolutely. Uh, but I I completely forgot. You're so good at masking the stuff that you've been through, like very like nonchalant okay. about things, that I 
had forgotten about all of the other shenanigans that had happened while you were growing up. It's true, yeah. I didn't just pop into existence and then <laughs> and I had a whole last life. Yeah. You came out <laughs> just like every other babe. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. <laughs> what I was going to say about the debate, though. Sorry, so Mara's here. Thank you for being here, we by don't, the way. Yeah. No, we don't clap on No. Um, Trump brought up that Biden had a son that had an addiction, and it was almost he like... He did? Mm-hmm, and Trump was being a dick about it. And Biden's like, I'm very proud of him. Like, how well he's doing. So if you haven't seen that around yet, I was just like... And this is exactly why there's such a freaking stigma against addiction and recovery. Because... Yeah. The president of the United States is even poking fun at someone's family member for having struggled with addiction. It was just like, I heard that and I was, I already, we're not going to get political on here, but I already feel certain ways about people in politics. And that really threw me over the edge. Like, yeah, I watched five minutes and and had to walk away. Yeah, It's just not worth it. It wasn't even a debate. It was just two grown men screaming at each other. Well, trying to talk over each other. And then the third grown man trying it, to it sounded like two grandparents arguing about something at a kid's birthday party who had the hard candy yeah it was bizarre it was very, very bizarre. bizarre it's like i wish they could just turn off the other person's microphone like okay yeah. your two minutes are done microphone's off write down what you want to say i i can't imagine the like feeling the urge that you have to say something like you know how a debate works but still, you have to keep talking. Like that's, that's his strategy, though. That he knows. Well, he... like both of them, though. Like that, I can't. I can't wrap my head around. Like you know the rules, but you guys just you you feel that strongly that you have to keep going. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, so I wanted to bring that up, and then, um. I talked to my family member. Should I talk about that before yeah, we get into yes, Mara's please. story? Um, my family member that has struggled with addiction. I had a very good convert, like most open conversation I've ever had with this person. And um, um, they always ask how Chris is doing. So I let them know. And then they said, I don't even count the days anymore. And I was like, okay, so it must be a while. Like, how long's it been since, like, it was snowing? I said, was it before Chris went in? Yeah. Um, and then we had a good talk about, like, side effects of, you know, this person's never been able to talk openly about, like, right. things that have happened because of it and talked about the trauma that they endured, um, which started when, you know, started their drinking, you know, lot, lots of deaths in a short period of time. And then... Um, talked about short-term memory loss, how they have struggled with memory. And that makes sense because we would have conversations where I'm like, I've had this conversation with you before and it's like, are you actively still using? And now that they were like, you know, they told me that they have memory problems and they're like, I think it was because of the drinking. It's like, oh. And talked a lot about how when they would drink, um, they would often black out most of the time. So... But it was nice. It was a good conversation that they were able to open up to me about it. And we have never gotten that far. And so it was very nice to hear. One thing that I hadn't thought about, um, the trauma that that individual has been through, 
um, the main person that they would like vent to about that stuff when it would come up is one of the people that passed away. So yeah. when the main person that you are able to talk about these really awful things is gone, that stuff just festers. Yeah. So like that, it makes more sense. And it goes back to the point of like <clears throat> what we've, we've talked about on here a bunch is that um, addiction usually has some type of trauma associated with it. And this person endured so much childhood trauma. Like we were talking about aces before, like I could do an aces on that person. It would be so high. And then, um, I mean, like lost a father, a stepfather within like a year of each other, two years, the best, their best friend and then their dog all like within two and a half years. Yeah. And And I mean, and then all your family, you know, you're, yeah, you just feel alone. So, but yeah, that's it. That's my update. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Do you feel any trepidation in the way that they were talking about it? Not at all, which is crazy. I thought, you know, it was just like, huh? no, I've been sober. I don't even know how many days I don't have cravings anymore. I just, and I was just like, wow. And I knew when they were still using, cause they would lie to me about stuff and like over, <coughs> over, talk about like oh, no no i would never but this it was very matter of a fact so nice and I, and i hope that like i don't know if they've listened to this or if they gave any indication as to whether they do or not but i think that just knowing that i am talking about this stuff um let them know that this is a safe place to talk about that stuff Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and non-judgmental. I think it helps. Like it, this, uh, it helps that you went to treatment because they know that I'm not judgmental or that even that we're not using. So it's a safe yeah. place. Does your to, dad know that I went to treatment? No, no. That's so wild. It is really wild. No, my dad doesn't know you went to treatment or went to the hospital or anything like that. Yeah, I think there's still that stigma with him with that stuff so yeah. i mean someday well it, it's it, it's weird being around him sometimes knowing all of the stuff that's happened that he has no clue about and yeah i i wonder yeah i, I just sometimes i just wonder like what he would i did say. make a comment like our electrician friend came to finish a few things and i'm like i don't know how we're gonna pay him because we don't drink anymore and my dad didn't say anything. Yeah. So. All right. He handles was... things very interestingly. Now, on to um, our our guest that I volunteered <laughs> to be on today. Um, if if at any point you don't feel like talking about something, you just the the safe word is legally obese. Um, Sorry. Just tap dancing. Yeah. He's getting his nails trimmed on Saturday. Barrels, go lay down. Oh, he's okay. He's a support dog. So when you were younger, were you in Minnesota? Yeah. Okay. All the way up until I was 14. So was when when did your parents separate? Um, it was like, uh, I'm not sure exactly when my biological parents separated. Cause I was, it was like, I was really little when they split. Oh. So I mainly remember living 
<clears throat> with my father and my stepmother. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Refresh my memory then of the of the timeline, because now I'm a little confused. So you're really young when your parents separate. You're with your father and stepmother mm-hmm. up until they. Then my father and stepmother split when I was twelve. So what what has been your experience in seeing? Um, and I don't know if you would even categorize it as addiction or um, anything in that realm, but like just kind of how substance can affect the family dynamic. Oh, sure. Um, I definitely think it was a problem because they were, it felt like they drank every day. Cause I remember being one of the beer runners. Really? Yeah. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be really bad until like the weekends where they would go out somewhere to drink. Cause then when they came home, that's when it was really like tense for me. Like, cause I wasn't sure a thing. So someone was going to get set off and then a whole like shouting match was going to happen. And, you can't reason with them because they're totally gone. And there's a couple times where like, the cops got called. And and was that just verbal threats that made it escalate to that point? Or did it ever get physical? I think most of the time it was verbal. And then sometimes there was physical. And then that would usually cause like... There was only... I think there was only a couple times where the cops had to come over. But I know... My dad would like leave and go for a walk or whatever and then come back some of the times. Wow. But yeah, there's definitely some physical violence. Was that ever aimed towards you? From my parents? No. Um, it was They were very much focused on one another. Like I would try to just block it out when they were being when they were arguing with each other, but my stepbrother would want to like interject or try to interfere. And like, that was never good because they're not reasonable in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, so you, you knew early on that substance, I mean, alcohol, I'm I'm assuming they weren't doing math or anything like that. No math. But so, you learn early on that when alcohol, when too much alcohol is involved, people become unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Did that affect the way that you viewed alcohol? Absolutely, or, oh, it did. Okay, yep. huge. Interesting. I wouldn't. I didn't want to ever be involved. I didn't ever wanted to drink alcohol, and uh, I would just tell people like, "No, nah, I'm waiting till 21. I'm just going to wait until I'm 21." But Internally, I was thinking, like, I just, I don't want to involve myself with that. That makes more sense now, too, because we had, um, when we had you on before, when you were talking about, uh, before you transitioned, that the idea of being drunk, I I didn't realize that you had real world examples of people being out of control and saying things that they maybe don't mean. Mm -hmm. And so that being in the back of your head, too. Because... So I'd have that, that would usually happen on like a Friday night or something. Okay. And like it sadly became like a routine. I knew how it was going to go. Like they were going to leave on, you know, to go get drunk somewhere at some bar and then um, just hoping that they don't come home and like set off like some small thing sets one of them off. 
and they're just going to, you know, I just hope they come home and go to sleep mm-hmm. and we're no. good. But a lot of times they would get set off about who knows what dumb thing. Yeah. Some small thing probably. Yeah. And then it would be horrible. And then you just had to like hope it would stop. And then the next day, like completely different people, you know, just like, and then we have these like heart to hearts, like with my stepmom and, and they're like asking me for advice and stuff. Oh, like, what are we yeah. supposed mm-hmm. to do? And like, actually, yeah, it was really tough. Like, it really was like Jekyll and Hyde, like completely sure. different yeah. people. I that reminds me of, I mean, there was, <clears throat> there there would be times when I would get, um, and I remember the feeling of knowing I'm right when I was when I was drunk and feeling so like certain in, in those points that I would get, cause I'm not typically like very argumentative or loud or angry or anything like that. Um, but when I felt that I was right, I would get this idea in my head that like, I'm don't, don't back down from this thing. And one of the, the worst cases of that was we went to the movies and saw Aladdin. Do you remember that on the way home? Mm-mm. So I, I I don't remember how I even got to this point, but f- for some reason I was yelling about women's rights and how for women's rights I was. You don't remember that? A little bit. Yeah, just screaming match on the way home and Landon screaming in the back, just stop. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I can't remember why you were yelling at me about it. Uh, for some reason, I thought that you were questioning when my like feminist stance on something. Oh. And I and but then I don't even remember how I got to there. Yeah, it's not like you were like you got angry all the time, but like I remember, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, that one wedding you shot in the cities where your brother was with you, it was like one of his friends, I think. No, the one where we did the pictures where your brother got married. So that couple, you were in the cities and you were drinking and I had to be your ride and your brother's ride. And you were like so angry in the car that you punched the airbag thing. Do you remember that? No. So we had to go pick up the kids from your parents' house and we were fighting about something. I was just like so mad that you were... Oh, was it that I wanted to stay in the cities? Yeah. Like we wanted to stay in a... I wanted to stay in a hotel or something? And it didn't make any sense because I'm like, I'm sober. We need to go get your... Go get the kids from your parents. And he was just like, we were fighting back and he was just so unreasonable. And I'm like, you need to shut up. I'm like, you need to stop. I'm going to pull this car over. I can't drive anymore. Like we were screaming at each other and he just started, he punched the airbag as hard as he could. And I'm like, you're going to ruin my vehicle. I was so mad. And like, I didn't, couldn't even talk to you. And then we got to your parents' house and we're like, you're, you're like, we need to f- solve this before we go into the house. And I can't even remember you were just so, and I'm like, do you hear yourself? Like you would get to these like angry points where I didn't understand why you were so angry. And then you would manipulate my words be like, because you said this. And then I would go crazy in my head and be like, did I actually say that? 
And you did that to me a lot when you were drunk, where you would like, and maybe I did say these things, I don't remember, but they would be when I was sober. So then I'd be like, did I really say that? And like the way you would turn my words and like make my sentences not make sense. And you're like, no, you said this. And then I would be like, okay, maybe I did. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Well, that's gaslighting supreme, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that because that was scary. Because I remember we were on um, 494 where 169 is. And I almost pulled off into Maple Grove and was going to get you out of the vehicle because I didn't know what to do with you anymore. Do you, rem- you don't remember that at all? Uh, I don't remember punching anything, but I, I kind of remember. It was in the blue truck. And I remember saying, you're going to break the vehicle. Yeah. I kind, I kind of remember the, the sense that we could have stayed there in, in that area or something. Because you wanted to keep drinking and I was over it. I was ready to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. A lot of the stuff that I wanted to do, um, in however I could shed any necessity for responsibility, like, it, it it's the same thing with, like, me being a, not wanting to go to the lake because the kids are going to swim, and I hate when the kids swim. I don't want to be in the water. Like, that whole thing where I start t- uh, chipping away at an event or something that we're going to do um, just so that I don't have to do the other things or feel bad that I'm not doing the other things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just, yeah, the drinking always made, if, if, if I could drink, it meant that I didn't have responsibilities for something else. And that's just my stupid brain. I win all the time. So now that goes on for how long? Um, well, so my dad and my stepmom got divorced and, or they separated in like 1996. And then there was a couple years there where I lived. I actually stayed with my stepmom for like two years. After, really? Mm-hmm. Which was like a strange thing to do, but I, I lived with her for so long that she was just my, one of my moms. So. Yeah. But even then, like my stepmom met someone else in that time, and then they actually had some of the same problems. Really? Yeah. Um. So it kind of was just a continuation of the same. Did you feel an obligation to? be there for your stepmom then and like console yeah. her yeah really yeah that like because it was really conflicting because like earlier on when i was like a real little kid um my mom my uh biological mother like wasn't really in the picture okay um for whatever reason but over time she did kind of come into the picture and like I would go there at one point every other weekend and then uh, summers. Yeah, she was like more and more in my life. Do you mind if I ask why she was out of the equation? I don't think she wanted to be in. That's one of those things I've, I probably should ask about, but I never really have. Well, that's a tough because there's a lot of bad answers that could come from it. That's one of the things that like movies try to to showcase that. How like 
And it always seems like what they want to say is because look at what you have in front of you. But really it's because there's, there aren't a whole lot of good answers for why a parent removes himself from the family dynamic. So that's, that's fucking rough. So it could have been, I think if I'm remembering right, it was that she was kind of irresponsible at the time. And was she a young mother or? Well, my mom and my dad were like the same age, like 21. Okay. When I was born, they were 21. Um, but, and I think they just, so like my dad and my stepmom didn't want me over there with her at, at one point because she was too irresponsible. I think that might have been mm-hmm. the reasoning behind it. Okay. Did she have any kids in that time frame, at, like after the fact? Like, did you do you have half brothers and sisters? I have one half brother. Well, no, I have two half brothers. You have two half brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so one older, one younger. Okay. Because my mom was already, so my mom was married to someone else, had a kid, divorced, Oh. married my dad, had me, divorced. And then in like, she remarried, and then my mom remarried in like 92. Okay. And that lasted till 2009. Now, now so, she's with someone, but they're okay. not married or anything. So you, you stay with your stepmom for two years. And kind of the same patterns keep happening. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide to remove yourself? Or oh, did... sure. That's what I was going to talk about. So, like, that whole... There's, like, a huge chunk of time where the where they're doing that, like, years. It got to a point where it's, like, I wanted to live with my mom mm. instead. Just because it... That was so stressful. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I love them, my parents, you know. And I didn't want to tell them that that I wanted to move out because like I, I didn't want to hurt their feelings you know yeah Um. so that was really difficult and I never actually really pushed the issue Um. what happened was my dad said uh, like you have to make a decision you can either stay with me because he had moved into a house with his uh, girlfriend Hmm. or you can stay with your mom and then that's what i did i picked my mom and moved to alaska oh that's where alaska came from mm-hmm. okay because wow. in the mid 90s my stepdad joined the military and he got stationed in washington state and then alaska okay i wonder if he was on tacoma tacoma yeah yeah that's where i was born i've smelled it <laughs> Washington does have a smell to it. It's the aroma. <laughs> um okay. So when when you were in Alaska like did these issues follow into different family dynamics or was it pretty specific to your stepmom and Yeah, it was. It was. It yep. was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have you avoided drinking for all of that time. Um and you were you had said that your your viewpoint was just didn't want to lose control. And I mean, that's really interesting too, like the anxiety that's created with all of these things that you're dealing with. Cause I, and it, that makes so much sense because you are not vindictive or spiteful for to people you care about, I should say. I don't know how you act towards 
people who suck, but <laughs> surprisingly kind. <laughs> there's like a, I'll give you an example. Like there's there was like a person that worked at Walmart that everyone hated, like hated to death. And like I wasn't a big fan with fan of him either, but you know I could still treat people nice to the point where like I would give this guy rides to and from work. Oh. And everyone's like, I don't know how you can stand that guy. I'm like, hey, he's just, just some guy. I don't know. He's fine. Wow. Yeah. That. So, I mean, but the, and is that a, a defense thing to just not pretend like the bad thing isn't there, but to, if I don't act like it's there, then it won't flare up. Does that make sense? Like when you were talking about, the things uh your stepmom and your and your dad coming home drunk and just hoping that something doesn't set them off do you think about like how to avoid setting somebody off or bringing up um like a, a conflict i don't know if i'm ever actively doing that maybe i am and i just don't realize it and that that's kind of what i'm i'm wondering is like sub subconsciously like the way that you live your life and the way that you treat people um, allows for um, Switzerland, mm-hmm. like for you to be neutral. And so people don't treat you um, a certain way because there's no conflict about you or confrontation about you, it seems. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very interesting. So, um, the dynamic with the other family member when you were growing up, um, did they start drinking or or using drugs or anything? Um, when you guys were growing up, Mm -hmm. we've been pretty sure younger too. Oh really? Yeah. I'm not sure when though. That's like an interesting thing to think about. I'm not sure. I just know that he was like, He's pretty wild, I'm pretty sure. I'm just not <laughs> sure when he started. Because I know he's he's gotten like DUIs and stuff too. So mm. the so the brother that you were with, um, when when those things were going on with your uh, your stepmom and your dad, because I forget what the the age difference between you guys. A year and a half. Year and a half. So did he end up drinking when all of that was going on? No. No. Okay. No. That's what I was curious about is like when, when you start to mimic things, if substance is introduced to like, um, justify why you're acting that way. Um, cause I had a, a friend growing up that like, they were pretty nice most of the time. They're a little grumpy now and then, but when they drank, that's when like, um, they would kind of perpetuate this, um, I might have to cut this part out, but like they would perpetuate the fears that they had about their own parent, their own biological parent um, onto us and then excuse the fact that they were acting that way because of the substance when really there was like this kind of darker thing that was laying dormant um, that they just didn't want to deal with or associate with any other thing. It's just interesting. Kim, Um, you didn't really see like substance abuse when you were growing up, right? Like in in your Um, own family? When my cousin was a baby, 
I do oh, remember, yeah, yeah. yeah, being at his house and my uncle and his wife at the time, they both struggled with multiple addictions. I don't even know what drugs, but I know she was high on something and we had him and he was a baby. We had me and my mom had him downstairs and we could hear them screaming and fighting with each other upstairs. And eventually my uncle moved awake and she didn't obviously didn't get any custody of my cousin and she had another baby after him with some guy and she doesn't even have custody of that child um and and i believe it was crack like they were using crack so that was the first time i really saw it alcohol i guess my like my mom's step side of the family when we would go to up north and to weddings and stuff we would see it but it wasn't like my grandparents didn't openly drink a lot of beer, like special occasions like graduations, weddings. But like when we would go visit them up north, like they sat around and played cards and drank Coke. But like, yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of it. Because we got it ingrained in our mind from my dad how bad it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've never thought about that. Yeah. What were the things? Man. Because your dad was dealing with that stuff. So when he would deal with some, because I, I do remember you a couple times telling me about how like when he would deal with a thing, he would come and tell you guys, do you want to end up like this person that I just dealt with? Yeah. So he's an off, was a sheriff. And so we'd hear lots of stories and hear all these things. Um, so and he then, would sometimes use those as like scare tactics. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um are you saying like more than I'm aware of? No, just like that. But he made it like you just don't use drugs or alcohol. It's stupid. Why would you do anything like that? Look at like my mom's side of the family. A lot of her brothers have been in and out of prison and jail for substances. It's like, do you want to end up like them? Do you want to end up like essentially not having anything? It's like, no. Like, I don't want to end up like that. And then, but then I, at the same time, I'm like, was so curious about it because I wasn't around it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, even you didn't see a whole ton of it with your parents. Well, that's a weird thing. Like with my parents, they just, I don't know, because my, my uncles were so like, they were such, this sounds stupid, but such characters, (laughs) And they were so goofy that like when they would say that, you know, they're recovered alcoholics and things like that, um, it was, yeah, it, it wasn't that serious. Like they didn't talk about the consequences of what those guys went through. Yeah. Um, so they would tell us that substances were bad, but it was under the guise of like, well... If you want to end up in the top tier of heaven, in uh, Mormon heaven, then you just can't do that. And so it wasn't like you're going to burn in hell or anything like that. They were just like, you know, there's the three levels. And if you do that stuff, you slip up. You're just not going to end up in the top tier level. Which I know sounds like a joke, but like that's how they view it is like it's it's like um getting a, a higher grade point average throughout high school like just sets you up for success in college right like you have better college opportunities and that's kind of what it felt yeah. like was like 
this higher form of education that you could get because it's eternity this type of these amazing things that you're going to learn i just imagine there's like the applebee's of heavens (laughs) (laughs) that you don't want to go to Ah. yeah it's like you could either end up at white castle which it's food it's there there's applebee's and then there's red lobster and then (laughs) i think red lobster is hell for me so it would be and then there's leanne chin yeah i could live in leanne chin i love that place um but so my my uh stepdad also would do some heavy drinking as well okay that's what i was curious about was um which is common in in uh military families is like somebody ends up turning to the bottle like i hate to say that that stupid cliche phrase but like there's a lot of stress that comes along with that and so yeah and i feel like it was i feel like after he was in iraq uh there was some like it seemed different like like days oh he went to iraq like after 9 11 yeah 2003 holy shit like right after we invaded Oh my god! So probably struggle with some PTSD mm-hmm. and to yeah. deal with it. You just drink until you don't think anymore. Yeah. yeah, and like it would, he would stay up and drink the whole night to the point where he would like make breakfast. He'd be like, "Oh, I made your breakfast," and he'd be like super Whoa. wasted, and then um, just keep doing it like for days, wow. constantly. Was he ever? mean to you guys or no he was like a just like a huge dork i mean (laughs) like when he was drinking like i mean i guess maybe that's colored by my previous experience where people are getting really really amped up yeah or like this was just like nothing to me like yeah he's just being obnoxious or whatever and that's i can deal with that but not the anger the yeah Mm -hmm. yeah was that ever a point of contention between him and your mother? Not like, I mean, between them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. You you do such a good job of making these things seem like not a big deal. Yeah, I I have done that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until I went to therapy for something completely unrelated that I kind of laid do that, that. Out. Those yeah. therapists sure turn things around and you're like, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. When I was in treatment, massive panic attack because I never, I never like attributed the shit that I went through as a kid as any type of trauma until this psychiatrist was like, Hey, uh, just so you know, not all kids deal with the stuff that you dealt with. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. So I mean, with you, the so the thing that you went into uh, um, therapy for, I'm assuming, is transitioning stuff. Yep. What what made them bring any of this other stuff up? Because they the first visit was like your family history, precisely. Yep. Oh, oh. So then they've got all this ammo. They do like a diagnostic assessment where they go deep into like your family history. You pull the center of it towards your. Oh, am I not centered here? Yeah. There you go. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. They're so okay. they get real. They dig deep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. And that was yeah. That really was. And that was 2013. That was like the first time I really told anyone. 
Wow. Because I guess I got kind of convinced myself, like, well, older siblings are always kind of mean, and everyone's got like, some sort of issue. Yeah. Oh, and especially in Minnesota, you're like, oh, everyone's got a drunk family member. Everyone sees that kind of drunk stuff. But in reality, it it's common, but it's not normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting thought that, especially like in the Midwest, that that stuff is so common that like there's miniature trauma bonding happening like in grade school and in high school growing up like there's way too that's what it really should mean is that there's far too many examples of this shit happening in families and that just continues this cycle of of using or it unfortunately creates trauma and just kind of lays dormant how did you cope with that when they presented it to you in a different light the therapist yeah yeah oh he just kind of listened oh um i mean like how did you deal with it like when when he or she said that's that's trauma i gotta think back i think that first visit like i cried a lot really yeah it had been a long time since i did that um so that was interesting because like I know when I was a kid I was pretty emotional but that kind of got locked down at a point and then I don't know over a decade wow. I just kind of held it yeah because that was kind of one of the nice things about therapy was that you could let out these emotions yeah yeah, yeah. well that's really nice that you that you had that I mean so I don't even you're so unique in the way that you deal with stuff that like I don't even know how to pose because we we, we want to highlight people who have survived um addiction in their in their family dynamic and to you like what were things that you did to make it through or do you even perceive them as things that you were doing to survive these situations yeah i guess i can't really think of anything that i was actively doing that's kind of what i thought i was just trying to survive yeah just make it through next thing so when when you think about this this stuff now does it still kind of feel like well that's in the past and that's like how i used to think about it oh before therapy okay and then um, afterwards like i i thought of it a lot more as being not okay (laughs) like that shouldn't have happened so did you have conversations with um these these family members after the fact about no no. okay i wonder how often that happens because i hear people say that a lot where like you know you need to talk to your mother or you need to talk to so-and-so about this and and let them i think people are afraid that they'll trigger them back into drinking or they make them feel bad about the choices they made right like how would you feel later on in life if elena brought up things that he observed and remembers i really want that Okay. But I'm I'm different. I I I get that you I'm are different. different. Yeah. I yeah. I I am w- like I feel like I'm not walking on eggshells, but like waiting for the day that Landon says because he's gonna have those things. He's gonna have those things where he's like, I used to scream at my dad to stop arguing with my mom. I used to, you know, hide in my room or like do these things. 
I know that they're going to stay in his memory. And I, I want so bad, which is a, a codependency issue. It's like, even though I'm the one that caused the pain, I want to be the one that fixes it. And in these traumatic instances, that's not the best thing, right? Yeah. So I, I really want that and I really want to have these conversations, but it's, that's, I already took so much from him that it's not, it's not my place to try and get him to give me because that's validation for me. Like I want to feel better about the Mm -hmm. fact that I, that that I did this shit. Yeah. Do those family members, do you know that if they still drink to that excess, Um, behave in such manners? No, not anymore. No. Okay. Well, maybe one of them, but I don't have any contact with my stepdad anymore. Okay. And that's the other weird thing is like when something has happened so long ago, I would imagine that you have that feeling of like, that was forever ago. What's the point in doing it now? Because. That's true. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder of that of a lot of people. So maybe I would, I would say. I also very rarely see anyone. So it's never like. Right. So that, and it doesn't just fall into conversation like, Hey, remember when I was growing up and these things happened? Like like, it doesn't usually just like. Yeah. Hanging out for a few hours on Christmas or something. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that people think that way a lot too in like, I don't want to call and I haven't spoken to them in three years. And this is the one thing that I'm going to call them for, you know, most family members, when you call and they know you to some extent, or they knew you would think this isn't, you're not, you don't call just to, to chat. So, (laughs) Oh, Barbara is stretching. Sorry. We had a little doggo break there. What's your stance now on, on alcohol and things like that? I'm surprised I never got addicted to something, honestly. I am also surprised. Yeah, You've been through a lot. You I have just, all of that stuff that you went through and then transitioning on right. top of that. And I've thought about it, but I, I can always just keep everything at bay, I guess. Because I like, especially when I was getting all those surgeries and I, I started getting like a lot of pain medication I really like pain medication. Oh, yeah. Mm. And like those thoughts of like taking it when I should be taking it was like pretty constant. Oh, interesting. So did you ever think in your head like I can see what this does to other people? Yeah. Okay. Like I knew I was like, I knew it was, I wanted to do it, but I knew how bad it would be. Yeah. And like, so I would just not. That's pretty good self-control then. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's int- uh, that that aspect of of the human psyche fascinates me. How cuz like we we've had people on here who were hardcore alcoholics and it was destroying everything around them and then they got sober and now all they do is smoke weed. Weed for some reason doesn't like I don't get how substance can completely overtake you in one realm. And then another substance does not do the same thing at all. And <clears throat> and to that point, to like to recognize how good something feels like in in the addict's mind, it's like we got to figure out how we can 
reintroduce this or something like this. If I can't get this prescription, then what other thing can I do that will get me to that same point? It's really interesting for something to be so feverish to one person. Um, and then to just be like an objective thing that you look at and go, yeah, I understand why I would want to do this again, which is probably why I'm not going to do it again. I, yeah, that just, for me, (laughs) because everything, snacks, drinks, gum. Remember how I was eating like 40 pieces of gum a day? (laughs) Jesus. It is just anything that activates that like those, uh, I don't know if it activates dopamine levels. Oh uh, yeah, but probably Maybe. wouldn't certain flavors make me go, mmm. Be nice if it was like cleaning or something like that. It then. would be nice yeah. if it was like cleaning or exercising. Some people do get the exercise thing. I though. know. But yeah. I think for me now it's like what's the easy thing that gets me yeah. to that thing? So like, what about alcohol? Do you every once in a while I have some. Yeah. But um I actually just like beer. Like, I just like beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Like, I like to have one beer. Because they taste good. Yeah, see, yeah. and that's interesting. Yeah, that... It's got to sound weird because, like, I, w- I obviously wish that things were different for me <laughs> when I was going through all of this stuff. And that because I remember what it felt like, what it tastes like, and all that stuff... It's um, it's a deep regret that like I couldn't have controlled it and just had something that occasionally is available to me. And now there's like something set in stone that is never available to me again is a really weird feeling. You know what I mean? Like you could have a drink and still be fine. I know that you have that within you because you would have days where you did not want to drink at all. Most of the days. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's an odd feeling to have one thing that you're like, oh, I can't even entertain the idea of doing that. Oh, you've got some stuff, though. Like in what, what, what are the other like ailments about you? I hate to say it that way, but like there's certain things that you had to adjust because of like medications that you're on. Things like that. Correct? Like, um. Like uh, my blood thinners? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of the other stuff that like, what what are some things that you can't do because it could have uh, bad physical repercussions? Well, like negative health effects? Yes. There we go. A lot of it's like diet related, I guess, but that's just for my blood thinners. Oh, okay. You can't get too hammered because alcohol thins your blood and yeah. Like, if I would hit my head really hard, it'd be pretty dangerous. How about this? Are there medications that if you stopped taking them would have very negative effects? Yeah. If I stopped taking warfarin, I'd probably... You'd clot up. Mm -hmm. You'd get a pulmonary embolism again. So that's similar in that there is a thing in your life that you you can't... On the opposite end, like where I can't introduce a thing, you can't... Um, remove a thing or does it does any of that even 
you're you're such a chill person that like I'm trying to find like is it like things that you can or cannot have that you feel like you're missing out on. I think the closest I come is like uh, <laughs> video games. Oh really? Yeah, like that's like the biggest problem I've ever had. Um, I guess I was. You could say I was addicted to it. I don't know. <laughs> Because I know I would play something for like nine hours straight and um, I'll get like way too emotionally invested. Okay. So I stopped playing like Overwatch. That's a game I used to play a lot. Like 2,000 <laughs> hours. Wow. And I get, I broke like four keyboards playing that game. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then Street Fighter, I probably broke like three arcade sticks. That is wild. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely applicable then. Yeah. And I noticed it wasn't like a every time thing. It absolutely had to do with how I was feeling outside of that. Interesting. So if I was like particularly irritated in my day to day, I was going to take it out on a keyboard. Wow. If I was fine, like I would just laugh it off. Like, ha, I suck at this game. <laughs> like, it'd be uh, fine. Yeah, but if, yeah. if I was having a bad time, like, I hate everything, and this keyboard needs to bite the dust. Wow. I could never imagine you being that way. Yeah, a lot of people can't. <laughs> Pretty upsetting. Oh, that's very interesting. Huh. I feel like I need to take a class on Mara. I need Mara 101 to yep. dissect. <laughs> Have you ever Mara. diagnosed me? Me? Yeah. I know you say you diagnose people. I know you're, but you're you, you're hard to read. Yes, I want to tell you something. Uh, a few months ago, I got diagnosed by YouTube. What <laughs> what YouTube diagnosed you? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of kidding, but all of a sudden it was like um, recommending me all these videos that are like, here's how you might know if you're autistic. And then I ended up watching a lot of them and identifying with these people quite a bit. In what way? Whatever the stuff. Like you're sometime on some place on the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But what what about those things? Like what what did you relate to? Well, it was a lot of like social interactions. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. And uh, uh, like eye contact and stuff. Like this is very hard for me to do. That's why I'm staring over here a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Or I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have do, to look I at do you that a lot. I, like, <laughs> When I'm describing things, I can't look at people. I have to look in other areas. No, but with people who are on the spectrum, it's like, the, it's the uncomfortable. They just don't make eye contact a lot. But that's what's, an, and another it, enigma about you is I get that, but you also are capable of sitting in silence, like in the, uh, the dead space. I've noticed doesn't seem to phase you. Yeah. Like, you're able to chill. I feel like I have to keep finding things for us to talk about. Mm -hmm. But you're able to just sit there and be content. Yeah, I can just exist in a space. That's very interesting. So that that dynamic is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. any, 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 like, sensory issues where things, certain textures, feelings? No. Um, no. Any aversion to the word moist? Favorite word. <laughs> I that. think creamy is grosser than... Ooh. Oh, my God. I hate to sidetrack, but uh, Bobby Lee's brother, um, creamy is just such a gross word. Like, uh, 
is trying to kick a, a porn addiction. And somebody was like, well, why, why, why do you think you have an addiction? And he's like, well, have you ever masturbated to grandma's smoking crack and getting cream pied? Everyone's like, what the fuck? Okay, I'm no. done with this. Gross. But so like, so he's an addict, addict, addict. Like, so he has, he has to keep, it can't be one thing. It just goes, blah, 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 blah. So that's what he was describing. Like, that's how I know it's an addiction because I, I can't just hand, I can't just be content with the normal stuff. I have to keep, how can I make it more extreme and more taboo and that like that's a a common thing among addicts too is like how can we how can we make it seem like we're getting away with something more mm. but the word cream pie no i realized was like i hate i hate that word so yeah. much <laughs> it's so gross to me Blech. So do you get hyper fixated then on video games? Yeah. 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 Like Tetris is huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. You were talking about how your uh, movements per second or whatever. Pieces per second. Pieces yeah. per second. <laughs> that man did your love of video games have anything to do with growing up like you were escaping a situation by playing video games? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So there's a little bit more of you that I understand a little better now. Um, you're very good at, yeah, that like, uh, whatever's going on over there, whatever. I have this here. And then there's like masking. Mm. I try to do that. Right. Really That's something I do. I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Ma- mask. What is masking? Like trying to like hide traits. Oh, oh. Like blend in. Yeah. Oh. Um, imposter syndrome. Do you know what that is? Apparently, being an imposter. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you'd like heard of that medically in 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 your field. No. But I've been oddly hearing it more and more. In um, comedy podcasts, is that what you were gonna say? Just podcasts in general, hmm. um, but well, and in conversation, like people have been randomly bringing up imposter syndrome in like mental health stuff because I still don't really understand it. But like, like, like Rachel brought up how uh, when she, when she found out that she was bi, um, that in the bi community imposter syndrome is super common. Whereas like how she was saying, like some days she was super manly or some days she was very girly. Like it was a lot of seeing a thing and like letting that thing take you over. Mm. For me, when I listen to certain podcasts or certain comedy specials, I like very overtly, is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Very obviously like, showcase these accents or these mannerisms and things and when you listen back on podcasts like there's so many times when i clearly am acting like crystalia or i'm acting like sebastian maniscalco like all of these even today like 
that History Hyenas podcast that I listened to, the like super like squirrel, like very squirrely and very New York. There's a lot of that. I I I'm I'm wanting to understand my own mental health stuff, and that's why you guys hear me kind of like going around in circles. Is I'm trying to understand myself. I I want to know why I do certain things and how that affects the people around me. That's why I, I it, it it seems like I don't want to let something go is because I really want to understand why. I'm just a very inquisitive individual because I feel like that stuff will help our family dynamic. Hopefully. I just like living in the dark. I don't want to know any answers. Yeah. You're a very black and white individual. No, I'm not. I'm 100% gray. Whoa. I work in mental health. I was going to say gray. in in your profession, for sure, because you have to be. But in your own life, it's a lot easier to live in the black and white. Because gray makes me so anxious that I can't yes. function. Yeah. Yes. Why try to understand thing more when thing fine now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you're getting irritated and bored. No, I'm just like tired. Oh, okay. Well, I I love you very much. Uh-huh. I appreciate you putting up with all of these going arounds and circles and and projecting it's just when you go around in circles i'm like wait how did that happen what was the first word he said can we go back to that so i can try and figure out where he is and then i feel like i like i've spaced out and i forget what we're talking about how do you diagnose me you don't want to know i do want to know because you have a lot of answers you're on the front line why do why do i do these things What do you mean? Trying to figure out yourself? You know exactly what I mean. Why 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 can't I just be content with Oh here, let me bring it back and go basics. If you were to based on how you hear me interact with people, the attachments that I have to people and the big ideas and all of that stuff, if you were to have to diagnose me or give a good guess as to what you think I got going on mentally. Yeah, it's the cluster B traits. Those cluster B personality traits. Not like you have a personality disorder, but you have some traits of it. Like the grandiose thinking. The you do not do well with abandonment. Like friendships, you don't do well with abandonment. And that's one of the other things. Oh, that's a cluster B trait? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But particularly borderlines don't do well with abandonment and they have vultuous, I can never say that word, relationships where it's like their relationships are constantly up. Tumultuous? Yeah, that's the word. Relationships that are up and down all the time and they have a hard time keeping relationships, but then they have a harder time with abandonment. Ah. Um, And then there's other personality traits in the cluster B like the grandiose thinking and if I do this, then this great thing will happen. It's that constant needing to get to that level, but never being satisfied. Ah. So there's, that's why I think like you have that diagnosis that there's some traits there because you don't fit in. You're not a borderline. You're not antisocial. You're not this and this and this. You just have some traits from different areas that are very prominent. I have so many traits of so many things. I, I, 
The only reason I haven't looked into in this this almost complex of wanting to fix people. Yes. Yep. And like you do it a lot on this podcast where you're like, I'm going to figure you out because I feel like I can try and fix what has or fix how you think about yourself. I think that's why you are constantly trying to dig into people like, and then, but at the same time, while you're digging, you're trying to figure yourself out. So you do all this back and forth or you're like, okay, if I can figure out this person, then maybe I can try and figure out myself too. Because uh, you have a lot of traits with people that come on the show that you share with and you're like, okay, how did they manage? What are they going on? How can I apply that to my life and figure that out? That's very interesting. Yeah. My, I would assume you've seen me all over the fucking place with being on our, and ADD. Yeah. And ADD for sure. If I had to diagnose your primary diagnosis, it would definitely be ADD. Did I, I haven't asked you this, but like when we did work at Walmart together, did, did I seem toxic? No. No. Cause I, 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 I'm never quite sure how people perceived me because I was all over the fucking place. Uh, There were, there was a time when I don't, not toxic. Oops, sorry, but another one of the cluster B traits, and I'm not trying to be mean when I bring this up, but it's you require a lot of attention. Mm. And in the beginning of our relationship, even the beginning of our marriage, you would try and get the attention from other females oh. inappropriately. And it was like this I need the, all this female attention constantly. And you had that when you were younger, too, as a teenage boy. And it just like you couldn't get rid of that. It was this tension thing not necessarily that you wanted to reciprocate it but you felt like you needed to have it yeah see and that's what that's why i said toxic is because that can ruin relationships really easily and when you're watching somebody act that way and then like like you were saying like acting like i want this attention and then not doing anything about it or being reckless and not thinking about the consequences of seeking that attention. But I don't think other people knew that was going on. You didn't make it very known. Oh. Or maybe people didn't notice. I don't know. Because there was one time I left Walmart because uh, you you said you weren't going to marry me. There was a... I can't remember if I was, I was talking to a girl or what was happening. Um, but it was like a month month or two before you were supposed to get married because I had the broken toe still. And um, you're like, I'm just not going to deal with this anymore. No, thank you. And I definitely don't want to get married. And and so I said to somebody, I was like, hey, uh, my fiance is going to leave me. I have to leave work right now. And I just left. So like I, I would say really intense shit to people. And so that's why I wonder like when somebody like me throws really intense shit, just kind of willy nilly, especially when I was younger. Okay. So that's where you want to know about the toxic thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
And maybe Mara didn't see any of that. I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I never got any of that. What What was your... But you also grew up in such a intense... You had such an intense childhood that you probably didn't pick up on, like, those mm, kinds of things. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, there are some things I really didn't pick up on with friends, so... Like, what, what uh, was your perception of, of me? I just remember you're just some cool guy at work. I don't know. <laughs> you do like funny accents on the PA. Uh, on the intercom. Yeah. Yes. Um, but like. But see, I always thought that you were the cool one. And I was always trying to impress you because you were so cool. Me. Yeah. Because you didn't seem like. And that's actually really interesting because I needed the attention of people. And I wasn't getting that outwardly like pouring affection from you. So when and then that's another thing with people cluster B2 is that like they don't get that. So you're not giving the attention back. So they try harder to get that attention. Hmm. But then also with that, too, is when they finally get that attention, they can shut people out quickly if they want to. Yeah, I did that a lot. That's why I was such a man whore when I was in high school. Terrible. Terrible to girls. But sometimes now, even in life, not with females, but in life now, it's like, like with other things in life, like with your photography too, it was like, if you weren't getting that, and that this is, that's also the day and age we live in, you're not getting the likes, the shares, the this and this. It's like you feed off of that. You almost feed, you need it, you need it. So with someone with cluster B traits, social media is awful because if you're not getting that instant gratification people don't like me i'm gonna keep i'm gonna try harder and try and get all this attention somehow and i mean honestly you post weird profile pictures to some you know yeah to try and get some reaction reaction. out of people yep yeah that's very true although the profile picture that i picked i googled alex petra and that (laughs) that photo of him with the split on his chin (laughs) that's what showed up his, I'm not saying it's all the time. No, no. I know, but but I think uh, as society do, we do that thing too. I'll post pictures of me. Look at when I had abs for like uh, two sec, hot two seconds. I'm like, I'm gonna post it on my Instagram so I can get some attention. A hot two, good use of a hot two seconds. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you don't seem to seek that type of validation. No, that's true. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what the hell But I'm also doing. in your childhood, you saw all this stuff. So you just kind of stepped back. You didn't want to be in the middle of that attention. So now even as an adult, you're like, I would just rather be back here and watch from afar as other people kind of put themselves into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always just feel like I'm trying to get through everything. You're just trying to survive every day. That's what it feels like a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I just need to get past this or. Well, you almost died. You had a freaking on your lungs so wasn't I mean, great no <laughs> um but like even when i'm supposed to be going to do something fun like go to a concert or something i'm always thinking about it being over mm. like i just need to like do this to be a normal person oh and it's not gonna be great and then that's like and then when i do it it's like an accomplishment. Like, oh, I went out to that concert and did stuff like a person. Maybe you might be on the spectrum. Why do you yeah. do our podcast? See, like, so you've given me like the perfect position where <laughs> I'm serious. Like, because this is how I see myself as like an alien watching 
like two normal people interact. Oh, wow. Then, but I don't have to be actively on the podcast. Like, I could just chill there on my iPad. And then if I think of, like, Something. some dumbass pun, I could just say it into the thing. And then uh, that's mostly for me to think is funny. Oh, interesting. And then I can go back to doing So then, were, were you nervous about today? Yeah, yeah. When you were like, oh, be co-host. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, like oh, two minutes yeah. before we started recording. Hey, everybody. Yeah. How's, how's it being? <laughs> yeah. I think the more we're going to learn so much more about the spectrum, too. I think, I mean, obviously, there there's autism and there's Asperger's, but there's I think there's they're going to eventually categorize this whole spectrum because it's so big and you can fall so many places mm-hmm. on it. Like even Chris, I joke with him that he's autistic but i literally i do think you're at some point on that spectrum too yeah oh i was gonna say the only reason i don't look into the, how the spectrum works is because i'm you'll get hyper focused yeah, on yeah, it yeah. yeah yeah but i see it with the, the the social cue stuff when you bring that up it's like yeah you're you fit somewhere on there yeah i think it's fascinating all all of this stuff this has gone too long i'm sorry it's fine um well not for you maybe <laughs> holy fuck. yeah i'm sorry i gotta wake up at 5 i just i really I, I really enjoy when you come over i it I, this is gonna sound weird obviously i wish that you lived with us like i enjoy the the interactions that i get to have with you because they're so easy like, I don't have to try. And you're always so open whenever I ask a question. Mm-hmm. Like, you never make me you're feel weird. You're not judgmental. Yeah. 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 I think because you have, you are, you're not weird. Oh, I hate weird. that word. You're just so quirky and not a <laughs> lot of, you've, you've put yourself in these uh, clicks, whatever, rollerblading. You were so quirky that these assholes, these guys <laughs> didn't know how to take you. So they would call you a grom and that's Chris Duke. He's such a grom, but it's, you were so quirky and then you throw yourself into comedy and you're quirky there. Well, I guess a lot of the comedians are quirky too, but like you put yourself in these things where you're so quirky and different than people and they don't know how to take you. But when you find someone who like doesn't react because mm-hmm. other people react like, Ugh, and Mara doesn't react, you're like, oh, cool. I can just be myself. Because well, I feel like sometimes in those different clicky areas that you go to, you you are quirky, Chris, but then you have to put a shield on because you're like, I don't want people to not like me, mm-hmm. but I want to be myself, but I don't want people to not like me. So I'm going to be a little quirky. I don't want to be a grom. So then I'll cover myself up. But then you keep throughout whatever you keep doing that. And then you finally feel comfortable in your own environment where you're like, I can be quirky and weird and all quirky weird and all that and we can just bounce ideas off of each other and you're not going to say anything and you don't react well and i want people to connect with me the way that i'm willing to connect with them like i want that to be reciprocated and i feel like if i just keep doing xyz that eventually i'll break their walls down and then we can be in this mutual space where they accept and understand why i'm doing all this weird shit I think too, it's not, it's not a lot of giving and taking. There's a lot of 50, 50, because I feel like a lot of friendships or places you've put yourself in, you've done a lot for other people and they don't always reciprocate it back. And so you exhaust yourself where this is like a equal 
ground. Yeah. You are the epitome of water off a duck's back. Um, like when I, th- when I, do you know what that phrase is? No. I thought you made it up. <laughs> You've never heard that water off the no. duck's back? Oh, does no. it just like roll off? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It just water. Yeah. Water doesn't stay, you know, whatever they have the oil and yada, yada anatomy. Um, but okay. so it, it just rolls off of you and yeah, you just never make me feel weird about the shit that I'm saying. And you always seem like, <laughs> not that you're validating me, but you almost like the way the teacher's like, oh, interesting question. Let's see where this goes. And you kind of just allow me to to go in that realm. So, I mean, I appreciate the bejesus out of you. You're hilarious. And I'm glad that we got to dive into this other aspect of you that, that I, I hope people can learn from um, because the trauma isn't always, we have a lot of people on here who, when they talk about their trauma, there's a lot of, it's really heavy. And the trauma that people don't recognize that does happen a lot is the kind of quiet trauma. The things that you went through and you kind of go, "Ah, yeah, yeah, we made it through. It's fine. Everything's fine. And there's a lot of people that live in that space that don't want to be public about their things. So I appreciate that you came on here and I know there's some awkward spots. I'm, I'm pretty o- awkward. <laughs> I'm an awkward spotty guy. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think Kim Duke? I think that I need to go to bed. Okay. I got to work in the morning. Alrighty. Do you want to do it at the same time or you want to take us out? Let's just try and do it together. Excuse me. And, and with that, Sherma, we will pass out. Now, one more time. And with, and one 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 more time. And with that, we will pass. Thank you. <laughs>